I hear far too many of my children saying, what did I do wrong? I could have done better. Why are you continuing to blame yourself for the decisions others have made? Have you forgotten what happened to me? My first son, the one that I formed out of the dust of the earth, he made a decision to walk away from me and my word. He made a decision to accept a teaching that did not come from me. And out of his rebellion, he condemned the entire human race. So I ask you, where did I go wrong? How could I have done better? You see, it was my decision to give humanity free will. And it's out of that free will that people choose to do what they want, including those who call themselves Christians. You can be raised in church your entire life and still walk away from me and enter into eternity in the lake of fire. You can hear truth your entire life and still reject it and spend eternity in the lake of fire. You do not have the responsibility to change people, but you do have the responsibility to live as Christ in front of others. Even at that, if you don't, if you are afraid to be strong in me, afraid to do what is right because you are afraid of what you might lose, others still make their own choices. The best thing for you is to learn to be strong in me, not strong in yourself the way you think you should be, but strong in me. The strength that comes out of your new nature as a result of fellowship with me. Some of you have known what to do in many situations, but you haven't done it because you're afraid of what you might lose. But I would have you consider what I lost. I lost the entire human race until my son, Jesus, arrived on your planet, completed his responsibilities, and then made it possible for people to be redeemed unto me. In spite of that, in spite of the thousands of years before he arrived, I still revealed myself to people. They still could have put their faith in me, and far too many did not. Your responsibility is to trust me to live as Christ before others and to be strong in me, making the decisions that to you seem very hard, but they will be decisions anointed by my truth. You are to do these things and live them. And if people receive it, they receive it. If they don't, they don't. Remember, Jesus is the one who hung on the cross so that those you know could be born again. If they reject truth, it isn't because I haven't dealt with their heart. It's because they have refused what I have been trying to do. You do not touch their hearts, I do. And so I say unto you, stop feeling sorry for yourself and go forward and complete your journey in this world. For I would have you remember that there were those who followed my son only to a certain point and then because they felt like his teaching was too hard, too difficult, 
and too full of fault and error, they decided to walk away from him and walk with him no more ever again. You must be strong in me. And yes, you should intercede and pray for those you're concerned about, but you cannot change them. Quit trying to change them and start working with me to bring about change in you. Live as Christ. Let that be your testimony. And whosoever will receive your word and your testimony, they too will begin to walk the path I set before them. Otherwise, it's not on you. It is on them. Learn to let go and let me carry the burden. Again, I say to you, you cannot change anyone. They will change when they want to and make a decision to trust me. Your responsibility is to press into me and live as Christ in this world and let that life be your testimony to others. And do not give up hope. Some that you may feel have turned away from me forever, they're coming back. You just continue to pray. Continue to confess and declare. But continue to be strong in me and do not compromise your stand in me. I am working, says the Lord. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 27. Now, many of you have been reading, uh, you know, the Bible assignments. Some of you are behind. Some of you are caught up, whatever the case may be. But I just want to throw this out about the book of Jeremiah. It's really interesting. If you go through and you read Jeremiah and you see these prophecies that he's giving, the focus is so much on uh, Babylon's going to invade and Israel's going to be taken captive. I mean, that's the simple way of putting it, very concise. But if you read what he says, and in some of the cases, like change the, the word from uh, Jerusalem or Israel or Judah or however he phrases it, and put in there church, body of Christ. I'm telling you, it is going to jump off the pages. At times, it is like he is talking about what's happening right now in the body of Christ in the world, the compromise and so forth. All right, now, that's not what we're going to be talking about. Um, anyway, you're here in Jeremiah 27. Now, we're going to be reading quite a bit of Scripture. There's really no way to cut this short as far as read five verses and say, okay, that's all we need. You need to see this. So in Jeremiah chapter 27, begin in verse 1. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord to me, Make thee bonds and yokes, and put them upon thy neck, and send them to the king of Edom, and to the king of Moab, and to the king of the Ammonites, and to the king of Tyrus, and to the king of Zidon, by the hand of the messengers which come to Jerusalem, unto Zedekiah, king of Judah. And command them to say unto their masters, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus shall ye say unto your masters, I have made the earth, the man, and the beast that are upon the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and the beast of the field have I given him also to serve him. And all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the very time of his land come, and then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. And it shall come to pass that the nation and kingdom which will not serve the same Nebuchadnezzar 
the king of Babylon, and they will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation will I punish, saith the Lord, with the sword and with the famine and with the pestilence until I have consumed them by his hand. Therefore, hearken not ye to your prophets, nor to your diviners, nor to your dreamers, nor to your enchanters, nor to your sorcerers, which speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon. Now, let me stop right there. Why would those verse 9 people say that? It's because they've all heard what Jeremiah is prophesying, what the Lord is saying through Jeremiah. Otherwise, why would they come back and say, you're not going to serve the king of Babylon? In other words, he's saying, you've got these people that are going to rise up in your midst, and they're going to tell you that what I'm saying is not right. Are you seeing this? So, he continues in verse 10 and says, For they prophesy a lie unto you to remove you far from your land, and that I should drive you out, and ye should perish. But the nations that will bring their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, those will I let remain still in their own land, saith the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell therein. I spake also to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and this people and, and live. Why will ye die, thou and thy people, by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon. Okay, now, he continues and he talks about, you know, verse 14, Don't listen to the prophets that tell you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. And God is saying, verse 15, I have not sent them, saith the Lord, yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I might drive you out, that you might perish ye, and the prophets that prophesy unto you. And then he's, he begins identifying you know, the priests and others that are going to be saying, priests and prophets that will say, no, don't you're not going to serve the king of Babylon. Don't you listen to this prophecy by this guy named Jeremiah. Well, in, we jump over to chapter 28, and we start in verse 1. And it came to pass in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth month and in the fifth month, or in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Ezer, the prophet, who was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, and of all the people, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, or today it would be, Yea, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, thus saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Okay, now, does that not sound like good news? Now, seriously. Would, if you were living back then and heard this prophecy, would you not have a praise fit? The answer is yes, you would. Yeah, I'll help you out with that one. No, yeah, would you not be rejoicing? Sure you would. Well, verse 5, Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah, in the presence of the priest and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so, the Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesieth of peace... When the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, 
Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Now put yourself in that situation. Who would you be more inclined to believe? You see, we have the advantage. We can read the Bible and we know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. All right? So then we'd sit here and say, oh, I wouldn't believe that Hananiah fella. Why, he's a jerk. The thing is, if we were there, who would you believe? Oh, I would believe Jeremiah. Really? Seriously? Let's just think about the last two presidential elections. What prophets did you believe back then? Uh-huh. You see, we can allow our emotions to get so caught up in hearing something we want to hear and let that be the confirmation of a prophetic word. Now look over in Jeremiah 36. Jeremiah, <laughs> what I find funny... To me, a lot of these people, you know, they want to flow in the prophetic. You need to have a talk with Jeremiah. Because trust me. In fact, you need to have a talk with a lot of these prophets. in The, the ones that God really used. Get their opinion on being used in the prophetic. You see, there are a lot of people so enamored with the, that, you know, the prophetic, that they just flock to anybody who's called a prophet. I'll guarantee you, people haven't changed, guys. Hananiah had his followers back then. And I'm guessing Jeremiah maybe didn't have as many followers. But in Jeremiah 36, it says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. And it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. In other words, uh, Jeremiah dictated and Baruch, uh, he took the dictation and wrote it down in a notebook. That's how we describe it today. Well, in verse 5, Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in that Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return every one from his evil way, for great is the anger and the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against his people. And Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the, in the Lord's house. And it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem, and to all the people that came from the cities of Judah unto Jerusalem. Then read Baruch the, in the book of the, uh, the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the higher court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house in the ears of all the people. When Micaiah, the son of uh, Gemira, the son of Shaphan, had heard out of the book all the words of the Lord, then he went down into the king's house, into the scribe's chamber, and lo, all the princes sat there, even Elishama the scribe, Deliah the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan the son of Akbor, and uh, Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, and Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Then Micaiah declared unto them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the book in the ears of the people. Therefore, all the princes said, Jehudai, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushai, unto Baruch, saying, Take in thy hand the roll wherein thou hast read in the ears of the people, and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the roll in his hand and came unto them. 
And they said unto him, Sit down now and read it in our ears. So Baruch read it in their ears. Now it came to pass, when they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and an, and other, and said unto Baruch, We will surely tell the king of all these words. And they asked Baruch, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all the words at his mouth? Then Baruch answered them, He pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Baruch, Go, hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye be. And they went into the king, um, into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elishama the scribe's chamber, and Jehudai read it in the ears of the king, and in the uh, ears of all the princes which stood before the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth, burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor uh, rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. That was not a smart move. Nevertheless, Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. But the king commanded uh, Jeremiel, the son of Hamelech, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, uh, the son of Abdeel, to take Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet, but the Lord hid them. Well, then the word of the Lord came, unto, uh, came to Jeremiah, after that the king had burned the roll, and the words which Baruch spoke, uh, wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah, saying, Take thee again another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim the king of Judah hath burned. Now, here's the deal. I don't care how hard you try. You can burn every Bible on earth, and you are never, ever, ever going to stop the Word of God. Amen. It's not going to happen. Now, the reason they burned it was why? Didn't like what it had to say. If you truly believed it was a prophecy from the Lord, would you burn it? No. So he casts it, I mean, he cuts it up and throws it into the fire. Now, you had, you know, a couple of guys here, they're like, I don't think we should do this. <laughs> Don't king, come on, buddy, don't burn this now. Well, he didn't listen. And so God said, okay, fine, let's do this again. And so another role was written, you know, another book. And, and God said, I'll tell you what now. I mean, he said, look, well, verse 30, Therefore thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat, and in the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I have pronounced against them, but they hearken not. So God is saying, go ahead and burn it if you want to, but that's going to change. This stuff's going to happen. But, what, the reason all this is in here is because it's God is giving us a revelation that when I tell you, get your act together, and you don't, you can burn the prophecies if you want, but judgment is still coming. Whether you want to believe that or not, the judgment is coming. Now look over in Jeremiah chapter 42. And in Jeremiah chapter 42, and, uh, you know, before we start reading, I will apologize for the great mispronunciations of some of these names. <laughs> you know, it was Bob, Steve, and, you know, whatever, it'd be a lot easier. But Jeremiah 42, verse 1, Then all the captains of the forces of Johanan the son of Korea, and Jezaniah the son of Hosea, and all the people from the least even to the greatest came near, and said unto Jeremiah the prophet, 
Let, we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant, for we are left but a few of many as thine eyes do behold us, that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk, and the thing that we may do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. Then they said unto Jeremiah, The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us, if we do not even according to all the things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Is this? Haven't we heard things like this before? Where, you know, Moses, tell us what God said and we'll do it. And Moses said, okay. I mean, over and over again this happens. Well, anyway, verse 6. You know, they said, we're going to do whatever God says. Verse 6, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord, our God, to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord, our God. And it came to pass after ten days that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. Then called he Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces that were with him, and all the people, even uh, from uh, the least even to the greatest, And said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him, if ye will still abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercies unto you, and I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. But if ye say, We will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt, and go to sojourn there, then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there ye shall die. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into uh, Egypt, to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, As mine anger and my fury hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you when ye shall enter into Egypt, and ye shall be an execration and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach, and ye shall see this place no more." The, the Lord hath said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day, for ye dissembled in your hearts when ye said unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. And now I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for wit, for the which he has sent me unto you. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place whither ye desire to go and sojourn. Now, here's what's interesting. You really didn't hear much about Egypt up until this point. And so Jeremiah is praying. Ten days later, he gets the word from the Lord. And the Lord tells him, you tell these people, they better not go into Egypt. Now, why would he say that? Because that's what they had been thinking. This is going to be our way out. We want God to tell us what to do. We want God to help us. We want to hear the word of the Lord so we can obey and be blessed by him. But we're going to Egypt. <laughs> that's, and so God, God reads their mail. And Jeremiah stands up and says, God tells you, if you go into Egypt, here's what's going to happen. Some of those folks should have looked around at each other. How did he know that we were thinking about going into Egypt? Somebody should have, like, you know, awakened unto this and realized, yeah, this just might be God. But look in chapter 43. 
And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of all of speaking unto all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words, then spake Azariah the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men, saying, I like that, all the proud men, all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, setteth thee on against us, for to deliver us into the hand of Chaldeans, that they might put us to death, and carry us away captives unto Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces, and all the people obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah that were returned from all nations, whether they had been driven to dwell in the land of Judah, even men and women and children and the king's daughters, and every person at Nebuchadnezzar-Adan, the captain of the guard had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch, the son of Neriah, so they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came they even to Tapanhes. Okay, now, they were warned. And notice it says they took Jeremiah. I'm not so sure that Jeremiah was a willing, you know, participant in this. Regardless, the bottom line was this. We want to hear the word of the Lord. We want to know what to do. Jeremiah said, okay. And he said, okay, now here's what God says. You better not go into Egypt. And instead of them saying, how did he know? They said, liar, you're a liar. <laughs> God didn't say those words to you. You know, we're going to Egypt where we will be safe. Now, let's back up to Jeremiah 28. Do you remember our good buddy, um, Hananiah, remember him? He was that guy that said, um, yeah, you know what? I think that you're a liar, Mr. Jeremiah. We don't have, uh, we're not going to be a, uh, you know, a, a captive. We're not going to be taken prisoner. We're not going to be, you know, uh, taken and forced to serve the, the king of Babylon and blah, 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 and on and on it went. And he takes the, uh, remember the yoke? He took the yoke and, and broke it. All right. And we'll pick this up then in verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the necks of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him, and I have given him the beast of the field also. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Now, you'll notice God had Jeremiah go to Hananiah. I don't know who else would have been around to hear this. In other words, it wasn't in the house of the Lord before all the princes and all the people. Now he said, you go to Hananiah and you tell him. So, here's what's happened. Jeremiah gave a prophecy. Hananiah refuted it. And the prophecy of Hananiah was far more popular than the prophecy of Jeremiah. But God sent Jeremiah privately to Hananiah, says, you're going to die. And so, sure enough, Hananiah died. Now, I doubt if there were many people at all that knew God had told Hananiah he was going to die. But word gets out, Hananiah has died. And people are thinking, wow, I wonder what happened. Well, I think he had a heart attack or something. I mean, just he just died. Oh, that's so sad. He was such a wonderful, 
great prophet of God. Now you and I both know that would have been the sentiment of many people. And yet God said, this guy lied. (laughs) He said he spoke for me. He didn't speak for me. He lied. Now listen, and because of his lie, it made things worse for the people. Because the people were buying into what he said. Now look over. Okay, look in uh, Jeremiah 39. And I'll just give you a summary. The whole scroll situation. Remember that? The king took the scroll and burned it. Well, guess what? Everything that was written on the scroll came to pass. And in Jeremiah chapter 39, remember Zedekiah, how he wasn't all that um, happy about the things that Jeremiah said? Well, in Jeremiah 39, verse 1, In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army against Jerusalem, and they besieged it. Now, remember Jeremiah said, this is going to happen. And nobody wanted to believe him. Hananiah and the other, it's not going to happen, and so forth. And Zedekiah, he took a stand against Jeremiah. Now, you'd have to read the whole book of Jeremiah to get a whole lot more details, fill in the gap. Well, sure enough, here comes the king of Babylon. Now, if Zedekiah had been cooperative with the word of God, things would have ended up differently. But look what happened. Jump down to verse 6. Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah and Riblah before his eyes. Also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Then Nebuzar Adan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in the city and those that fell away that fell to him with the rest of the people that remained. If Zedekiah had only listened to Jeremiah and done what the Lord said, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was coming, but what what we read here, oh, that wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have been that bad. Now, the people that were warned, don't go into Egypt, because if you do, you're going to die. Well, if you keep reading, you're going to find out, guess what? Yeah, it happened, just like the Lord said. Now, turn over to Matthew 24. You'll notice we have the book of Jeremiah. We do not have the book of Hananiah. (laughs) There's a good reason for that. Now, in in Matthew 24, look here in verse 3. And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things happen, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered... And said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Verse 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if they were possible, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Verse 13, But he that shall endure Unto the end, the same shall be saved. Endure what? All the plagues and the pestilences. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But what what do we really, what does he really want you to endure? The false prophets. These people that stand up and say, yeah, the Lord has said. Yeah, this is going to happen. Yeah, all these prophecies that come forth from these people that God says they're false. And he says, in spite of the fact that sometimes you're going to see great signs and wonders, you need to keep in mind, there are false prophets that are going to rise. God is telling you right here in this passage that there are false prophets going to rise up. And a false prophet isn't just simply somebody who says, yea, this saith the Lord in five days this. It's people who are declaring things. They're going to deceive many, he says. Where is it they're going to be doing the deceiving? It's going to be in the body of Christ. Just like Hananiah deceived the people that were in, you know, figuratively speaking, in the body of Christ, you know, the Jews. 
He deceived them. And there were others, if you read throughout uh, the book of Jeremiah, there were other prophets that stood up and say, this will happen, or no, this is not going to happen, whatever the case was, they would refute what Jeremiah was prophesying. And Jeremiah wasn't the only one that was prophesying for the Lord during this time. But you had all these people, all these other prophets saying, you know, yea, that and such and such will happen, or no, this will not happen. And people believed them. Now, I'm sure there were some folks that probably heard Jeremiah and thought, you know what, I think this guy is on to something. But generally speaking, the people didn't buy into it in part because, let me borrow from the New Testament, they had itching ears and they wanted to hear what made them feel good. They wanted to hear a prophecy that would line up with what they wanted to see happen. And so people were buying into the... See, part of the the prophecy that Jeremiah and others delivered during that time was repent from the sin. Because even God said, when you deliver the word, you know, well, you know, hopefully these people will repent from the evil and, you know, good stuff will happen as a result. Well, they didn't want to hear that. (laughs) And... We will not be taken captive by the king of Babylon. Okay, yeah, but what about the evil? What about the sin that was brought up? What about that which was identified before you? Are you not listening to this? God's telling you why the king of Babylon is coming in. And it's because of the sin, because of the rebellion unto God and unto his word. And Jesus is saying, you better take heed that no man deceive you. Because you got people that are going to rise up And they are going to prophesy lies in my name and tell you that which is not of me, and it's going to lead you away from me. Look over in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And look at this, in verse 12. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses discerned to discern both good and evil. Now when he says senses exercise to discern both good and evil, he's not saying Oh, yeah, well, you know what? If you're on strong meat, then you're going to be able to figure out that adultery is wrong. No, you already know adultery is wrong. That that boozing it up is wrong. You know this stuff. The good and the evil that he's talking about is right and wrong teaching. Now, relative to this message tonight, the good and the evil would be a prophecy that is or is not of God. Because Jesus directly connected false prophecy as being that which would lead people astray. What you have right now in this country, and it's really amazing, and really, you know, this is throughout the world, just the situations are different, but there's been so much false prophecy that has involved politics that a lot of Christians have made political figures, they're God. And God, he even in the Old Testament said, okay, I'll tell you what, go to those people that have been prophesying all this other stuff, let them save you. Let them deliver you. Let's see what they can do for you. The only way that we're going to make it through, the only way that we're going to endure is if we are at a place to where we can discern right and wrong prophecy when it's delivered. And sadly, and, and again, the, the recent uh, presidential elections are perfect examples of this because you had so many prophecies and some of them they sounded so good coming from, you know, what are supposed to be reliable people. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, well, you know, I mean, I hope you're right. I mean, boy, I, I want to believe what you're saying. But there's something in me that's holding me back from jumping on board with your prophecy. And you had, uh, there were some of these guys, like two or three of them, they came back and they said, you know what, I missed it. 
The others? I never heard that. Here's what's going to continue to increase. And it's not just about the politics. You've got people standing up in, in uh, pulpits today that are essentially they're prophesying by telling people, you don't have to repent. I mean, God loves you the way you are. Love is love, so on and so forth. And, and you know, Jesus, he's your savior, but he understands how you were born. You know, well, God made you this way, or God respects, you know, your feelings. And I mean, all this garbage, it's false prophecy. And because people want this, they want to satisfy whatever it is concerning their desires, their flesh, I mean, whatever it would be, you know, they buy into this. And they accept it. And God is saying, you know what? <laughs> you can't do this. Just like in the Old Testament, just like in the book of Jeremiah, God said, if you buy into this stuff, then you know what? You're going to die. Remember, um, Jeremiah stood up and he said, okay, here's the word of the Lord for you folks. You better not go back into Egypt, because if you go back into Egypt, you're going to die. Symbolically, you know what that represents? Turning your back. Okay, where were those people at the time? They were in Judah. All right, what does Judah, what does that land, Israel, what does that, symbolically, what does that represent? It represents the kingdom of God. And he was telling them, you better not walk out of the, quote, kingdom of God and go back into Egypt. What does Egypt represent? Bondage and slavery to sin. He said, because if you walk out of the kingdom of God and you go back into Egypt, you're going to die. You will die there. And it's the same thing today. You've got Christians who, born again, living in the kingdom of God, but because of the words of false prophets, they're walking back into Egypt, and they're going to die there. And they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. God is doing everything He can right now in this world to get this message out to the church. You know, He talks about judgment begins in the house of God. Guys, it's going on. God is trying to deliver this, but you know what? There are so many Hananias in the body of Christ that are doing everything they can to shout down the Jeremiahs who are trying to warn the people, who are warning the people, delivering the message of truth, delivering the word of God. But the Hananias, they're doing everything they can to stop that message, to decry that message, to criticize that message, and to tell the people, God did not send this person. God did not send this voice. This, this is not the word from the Lord. But you know what? If you take Scripture and you study the Word of God in light of what you hear coming from these voices, the Hananias or the Jeremiahs, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be able to discern the false and their genuine prophecies that are coming from God. And this is why, it's one of the reasons why God says, Study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You know, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is why he says, you've got to get to this place of, of handling the strong meat to be able to discern both good and evil. When he says here, have their senses exercised, he's not talking about, you know, your, your natural five senses. He's talking about your spiritual sensitivity to discern right from wrong. We've had people leave this church over the years because they thought that I had missed it. Because, you know, they didn't believe what I was teaching. Um, you know, one person flat out said that, you know, all this, you know, the, the praying in, in tongues and the meditating in the Word and so forth, that's works. That's works. It's all by grace and love. Well, what do you see? In the, show me where God has said, just sit back in a, in a self um, imagined bubble of grace and love, and there's no longer a need to study to show yourself approved. There's no longer a need to pray in the Spirit and communicate directly with me. I mean, show me in Scripture where God is nullified. No, no, no. He hasn't. He hasn't. And this is why it's so critical. You know what? There are a lot of people who would be in this church if they were willing to accept the Word of God. But they don't want to, they want to create their own doctrine. And it's amazing how when people do that, and you just ask them, well, okay, show me in the word, you know, contextually, where you're getting this. They can't. Because contextually, you cannot prove error. 
It's impossible. Now say, what does this mean to us? What it means is this. Think of it this way, imagery. From the time that Noah received an instruction from God, build an ark, to the time that God closed the door, when Noah, his wife, three sons, their wives, and all the animals were on the ark, it was about a hundred years. Okay, do you realize that for nearly a century, the entire human race had the opportunity to repent? Do you realize that for about a century, anybody who saw the ark had the opportunity, Noah, what are you doing, man? Hey, look, judgment's coming. People had the opportunity to make it right. And yet, guess what? Nobody did. Nobody. What's that say to us? What it says to us is this. We have to continue to press into God, keep building the ark. We have to keep building, keep building, keep building. The heat of the day, the cold of winter, symbolically. But you know what I mean. We have to keep building this ark. No matter how much criticism. No matter how many people disagree with us. Guys, remember, Noah had family that died in the flood. You know, cousins or whatever. He had family that died in the flood. And they didn't have to. That ark was big enough to hold several more people. But nobody, nobody wanted to hear it. So for nearly a century, the word was going forth. Noah stayed true. It got done. And we know the rest of the story. Guys, we have to keep building the ark. We can't give up. We Just because we've got friends and family that turn against us and criticize us and cuss at us and everything else, we have to keep building the ark. We can't lay the hammer down to try and go fix everybody else's life. No. <laughs> Just kind of like that prophecy we had earlier. We take the hammer and we keep building that ark. That's our testimony. You understand the imagery. Because Jesus is coming back. And we have to be ready.